When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Screen Talk, NewWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, joined as always by Ann Thompson. Well, not always, because I did take a vacation last week, and I'm about to take another one, so this is sort of like my momentary... uh, Reemergence, yeah, of sorts, yeah, work reemergence. But uh, and how are you holding up? It's been a surprisingly busy summer season. Yeah, you know, it's it's more relaxed than the fall. I'm looking for. Here's what's going on. Uh, everything got very quiet over the Fourth of July, and then the world came back. And now everybody's gearing up for the fall. That's what's going on. Everybody's well, got... movies came back too. I mean, yeah, we, were we had a big summer box office. Stuff is good, happening, um, although limited. It's still not. It, it, you know, it's very deceptive. It's it's an interesting thing where everybody's raving about how big the big movies are are doing, but there still aren't that many movies. In know, the pandemic times, everything has an asterisk. You know, exactly. you got to take success where you can find it. Yeah, Top well, Gun, like the world Oprah, has changed. Whatever. The world, yep. has changed, the world has you know? changed, and, and we're waiting uh, for those box office dollars to trickle down to the art house. So we'll see how it that still happens. hasn't happened. It still hasn't happened. Um, but we are uh, gearing up for the fall, and we've got a lot of um, festival buzz starting. But first, let's do the Emmys. The Emmys were on Tuesday, so that was a big day, and uh, a lot of the shows that you would expect did really well. Um, the the love was shared among a small number of shows, so that you had things like White Lotus getting multiple nominations, you know, from for all the cast, which is great. They deserve it, but y- they didn't spread the love all the way around. Something like Pachinko, a big snub um, that a lot of people were upset about. Yellowstone and 1883, Taylor Sheridan didn't get any love. Um, and, you know, Sidney Sweeney got two uh, nominations. Julia Garner got two for separate shows, you know. So, it, 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 you know, a lot of people were happy with the results, but a lot of people felt that they simply, this is typical of the Emmy voters, it's a popularity contest and they leave out. Uh, they go with the popular, uh, you know, succession again, you know, 25 but, I mean, nominations. I mean, the, the thing that was fascinating to me about watching these nomination announcements and as an aside, it's not like we have a long history of going deep on Emmys. We come out of Oscar conversation. Emmys is a different ball game. The scale of it. 17,000 voters. 17,000 voters. An Academy just crossed 10K. And it's such a different group of people. And uh, there's some overlap, but there's also way more shows. So, of course, Succession. Of course, the most popular, beloved shows, Dom. Those are really good shows. But it, but it does leave open a lot of possibilities for great smaller stuff to not really rise to the top. And you did see That's that it. in this. So we're glad that Severance got, got in there and Dope Sick, which was a terrific, terrific series. Um, so there were some new shows. There, there was some new blood in, in there. A bit. Um, but uh, I was thrilled that Squid Game did as well as it did 14 expected, nominations but, yeah, that was cool. and i'm rooting for squid game i know succession is a great show 
but I'm rooting for some newbies to well, get in be, there. That would be a cool upset. I mean, Succession yes. having already won. And there's a lot of, like it's fair people, it's a beloved show. I mean, there's some people who don't. The only trouble with it is that it was early in the season and now the the there's a lot of noise around other shows. And also it, it, it is, um, I think I think that the, the it has lost momentum and and that could be an issue for it in the end. Yeah, it and really it's violent. It, it, People it, it, won't it, watch it because they think it's violent. It, it's it was such an event when it landed and and had you know billions of views or whatever the final number was. But it does feel a bit like it was last year's game, and yeah, that yeah, part of that is yeah. just the nature of the Emmy season, the calendar itself. You know, if this was an Oscar conversation, it would have culminated a while ago. The Emmy season, the qualification window is different. And so you do end up having this for a lot of stuff and people have to remember certain shows. But, you know, they do do have a second season coming, too. Absolutely. Well, it's a a ways off. I mean, he he still hasn't written it even. Yeah, they're doing it now. It's a ways off. He's writing it. I mean, they they don't have a production schedule or or anything like that. But but HBO Max dominated with 140 HBO and HBO Max, the two of them together. And then Netflix came in at 158. And then the third and fourth places are interesting, Eric. Yeah, Hulu got 58 nominations, which is pretty amazing because it had, I think it was 21 last year, something like 21, 22. Uh, So more than doubled. And it's really impressive because marquee shows are in some level dope sick but really only murders in the building has been a phenomenon huge for them although selena gomez got got shafted there selena gomez got got shafted in the same way that i would say it's like the the fans who only tuned in for that are the same contingency of people who are who only tuned in for the oscar nominations when lady gaga got snubbed last year you know it's like they that's all they cared about you could see i watched this live on youtube the announcements and you could see all the fans were like come on selena (laughs) and then it was like just outrage in the chat box but she did get nominated as a producer on that yeah, show yeah, 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 and, yeah. i mean remember that point in time when there was some rumor that the three of them steve martin that's right Parker, they were going to be announcing the oscars it, yeah that they were going to or host or something i mean the, yeah. it's such a great combo i'm going through the second season now that's a that's a cool show that would they should have been try to movie. make that happen next year you know that yeah. would be no, really i do feel really like cool. a, 30 years ago that would have been a movie you know, that story. And it does reflect, right. it's a real kind of TV climate today that you could make those three stars work in the context of this sort of playful murder mystery of sorts. It's but true. I love the way it's, it's building out a world. So. And then uh, Apple did very well too, right behind Hulu with 52, which is a big, big number for for them. Although um, Pachinko was shut out, which was another Ted one. Ted Lasso was... did well, the biggest comedy, the most nominations, 20. And then they, they they did get their Severance drama nomination, which Severance, was a big deal. So good. Yeah. Really more of a yeah. sci-fi show but if you call it a drama people take it more seriously so sure. <laughs> whatever so that happened i mean there were a good amount of snubs when it came to shows that people really care about probably yellowstone was the most prominent among them i know you're a fan of that one i've watched taylor, a bit of it. Ta- taylor sheridan i i would have to say though that that it's positive. Some people suggested that what happened there as it has, that's a case where the show itself has grown in popularity over four seasons, but the first season was the best. 
in my view, you know, and, and I was surprised, though, that even a movie star like Kevin Costner, who carries the show, didn't get nominated. There's I think it's it's partly I don't know. I think it's some kind of snobbery. There's there's a theory that it's perceived as a conservative point of oh, view. Oh, for sure. You it's know? like MAGA succession. You know, when you get down to it, it's I think it's more comparison. complicated. But no, that, no, no, but I I'm think saying it's that's perceived the, that way. That's yeah. the perception yeah. for yeah. sure. Yeah. And also, and, it's a hard show to commit to long. Like when people tell me like, oh, it really kicks in in the third season and it's pretty good in the first one, I might commit. But when you say the first season is the best, I'm probably not going to commit long term. And I feel like maybe there's been some drop off from on the Emmy side, if not from the viewership side, where it really is like a blockbuster for Paramount Plus and so forth. Um, yeah, uh, it's an interesting. So. It's an itch- also the you know Sam the, the, the 1883 uh, didn't get anything Enough, either, yeah. and and Sam Elliott was uh, you know saying some things out of school about Jane Campion and so forth. So yeah. some people think that didn't help. Um, but what else was snubbed? Uh, I, well, I would single out Reservation Dogs. A that's a big love, one. Love love that show. Of course, Taika Waititi helped get it off the ground, but it's Sterling Harjo's baby, and he was making these really compelling dramas that played at Sundance over the years, but never really got much of an audience. And and with this show, he takes the same kind of setting on this reservation and follows these kids in a kind of coming of age story in a way that's just so charming and, and fun, but also kind of profound in the way that it's looking at the challenges facing indigenous people in 21st century. And they've got a new season coming up. It's a small scale show that needs time to grow. That's but it's a question really of how many people actually watched it and how many yeah. people, even though it got rave, rave reviews and a lot of attention, a lot of publicity. Yeah. Um, I think people were aware of it, but did they think it was somehow um, something they weren't going to relate to or, uh, you know, eating their oatmeal. That may be the issue. I yeah. And then, and then you had on the, on the standup side, everybody's making a big deal about how Chappelle got in with closer after all that stuff. Maybe it was because of all that stuff. Who's to say, I thought that Rothaniel, which is Gerard Carmichael's special was robbed that he literally comes out of the closet on camera. Bo Burnham directed it, did an amazing job. That was a real oversight. But again, sometimes with these more, you know, kind of stranger cinematic gambles, it doesn't necessarily translate. And I think that one was a good media story, but did did everybody watch the special? I don't know. It's a, it's a real open question. It's going to be interesting to see how these issues um, relate uh, on the Oscar side with yes. a big popular blockbuster like Top Gun. And, mm. you know, I'm beginning to recognize, given the role that it has played in the return of audiences to theaters um, and how well reviewed it was and how many people just adore the movie and think it's just the best it could be. And Tom Cruise gets a lot of credit for that. But the question is whether, whether he's going to get credit for it as a producer and a Best Picture nominee or whether he might even get a Best Actor nomination. There was a thread on uh, Twitter. Twitter where uh, people picked up on the fact that Mickey Rourke uh, mm. dissed Tom Cruise as a very boring actor who doesn't have much range and doesn't do doesn't much that you way. Know, to advance the art of acting. And um, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, you know, something along those lines. Um, and there was a big debate about it. And, and I do think there's a difference between a movie star who's being very cautious and, and very careful um, about the franchises that yeah. he makes um, and someone who doesn't take risks anymore. Well, he used yeah, to. I mean, he did Magnolia. Magnolia. He did Magnolia Born on the Fourth of July. Yeah, yeah. He did a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is a master 
uh, he's a master at welding his brand in certain commercial ways. And the fact that he's at the age he is and still a major 60, movie star, by the, the way, movie star. Yeah, that he's 60 years old and he is ageless, the most bankable movie star. And what he does but in physically. franchises, and he knows that he knows that outside yeah. of Mission Impossible and maybe Jack Reacher, which, you know, and maybe this, he, he doesn't get anywhere. But this is a powerful case for him as a producer of a best picture movie that he, you know, leverages his brand to make the movie work, you know, commercially. That's on the where he'll scale. get rewarded but along with all the crafts. Yeah. As a performer, yeah. I mean, he's just doing Tom Cruise. I mean, I agree with that assessment. Unfortunately, I don't think it's a very daring performance. Spielberg is a similar he kind got of serious. commercial director. Right. He made the pivot to to have a legacy, to mm-hmm. have serious movies on under his belt you know to to not worry about the box office all the time Cruz has not made that pivot <laughs> but i'd yeah. love to see him do it i'd love to see he's a good actor i would love to see him take these chances again but it's an interesting question that usually when actors do that it's because it, there's some upside for them and i'm not sure that this actor necessarily sees an upside in doing that i don't when think he takes risks he's got two mission impossible movies already in the bag i mean he's good he wants to go to space you know, like this is the direction Tom Cruise is going. He's not going in the direction of wouldn't it be nice if, if the Academy respected me more, you know. Speaking of space, I know that you, Eric, and I, because we're both science nerds, we got a kick out of those web photos. James Webb oh Space Telescope, God. I've been obsessed with this thing for a really long time. I watched the president briefing. I watched the 10.30 a.m. Uh, NASA <laughs> briefing. It was I know a you terrible did. presentation. But the <laughs> Other people watch amazing. the January 6th hearings. Oh, yeah. Eric watches the NASA briefing. No, and I made this point. I mean, what what's going to last longer? I mean, we the Hubble, people forget the Hubble Space Telescope it was really hard to get off the ground, and it had a mirror problem they had to send some astronauts up to fix it but this and this one took 20 years and almost got killed by congress a few times but now we have this i mean this is why it's and it relevant cost to billions of dollars more it costs billions of conversation to. but at the end of the day i mean to me there is a through line of what of, of telescopes and, and space observance and and cinema because you're you're looking at light using light to look at the past and you're getting these incredible images and i bet you we're going to see great art come out of it. I mean, you look at what, say, Ad Astra did with NASA imagery or I what still see 2001. 2001. Yeah. I still hear, thus spoke Zarathustra, you know? And those, That's but those what images, I hear. we need the, the, those images are based on real science and now, you know, having this powerful telescope I think will we'll do but great But Kubrick yeah. was close. He was good. I mean, the pic, if any of you haven't seen these photos, they're just astonishing. Even. And we're going to get more. We're yeah. going to get a lot yeah. more yeah. over the next 20 years. All right. So the other thing we're working on right now, now that the world has come back, is the fall festival season is starting to gear up. And so what do we do? Eric and Anne and the folks at IndieWire are getting their ears to the ground. We got a plan. Finding out where is the, you know, what's going to be in Venice? What's going to be in Telluride? What's going to be in Toronto? What's going to be in New York? And, and, uh, and, And looking at the release dates that the distributors are coming up with, A24 still doesn't announce any release dates i find it annoying but <laughs> but they like anyway, that you're in a perpetual state guessing. of not no yeah i mean they, <laughs> they, they don't need to to i mean if the movies are good enough and we know at least some of their slate is 
pretty strong, then you don't necessarily need to be hyping things up until they get out there and people see them and start talking about them. Well, so. what we do know is that some of the movies that were already at Sundance are going to hit the fall festivals, like Living, the Bill Nye movie from Sony Pictures Classics. They have a few things. They have The Sun with Hugh Jackman right. and Laura Dern, the sequel to The Father, mm-hmm. um, and Vanessa Kirby. Um, and they also, I mean, uh, Anthony Hopkins is in it, but briefly. Um, he's in the movie that we saw in Cannes, Armageddon Time. Yes, so also will be, be reintroduced from Focus. I have to assume that's New York Film Festival, but I hear Seems that like, like Telluride also. That um, makes sense. Yeah, I mean, well, everybody's going to see Triangle of Sadness, the Ruben Ostland right. couple of things film. being reintroduced on that front, right. for sure. And then the whale is supposed to show up in Venice, I hear. Right. So Darren Aronofsky Dar- likes Venice. He always yeah, I mean, look, it, it, it went very well with Black Swan, as we know. Uh, that was the but, year I was there. I, right. I spoke to him that year. And yeah. and now I'll get my my first. It's your turn. It. You're I'm going for the Venice. first time. Yep, yep. So I'm looking forward to the whale and seeing Brendan Fraser's. Uh, I don't know. Is it second act, third act? I'm not even whatever sure. whatever it is. That's a big one. Reemergence. Yeah, and then scale. there's also um, a whole bunch of Netflix movies. So should I we have dig a into long, that? Long, long list. Yes, let me get it out here. This is a very different conversation homework. than the Netflix conversations that have happened throughout this year about stock troubles and subscribers. It is a robust fall slate for Netflix. And it does seem like there's some really promising movies. Now, how they play, we don't know. But certainly, Inuritu's Bardo. Bardo's the one that they're putting all their chips on in the way that they did, say, The Power of the Dog, the Jane Campion film last year. This is the one that's going to... I hear it's in Venice. I hear it's in Telluride. You know, maybe it's playing everywhere. I don't know. There are always a couple films a year that end up doing that. Um, and it's, it's, he's, he returns to Mexico. It's a Spanish mm-hmm. sc- speaking cast and it's a man who's going back to his home country after having made it abroad. So this is a very, uh, auto fictional again, it's, it's, it's influenced by his fellow amigo, um, Cuaron. And so they're going to put the whole Roma push behind this. And shot by Darius Kanji, which is always a reason to pay attention. So, so that, yeah. but that's, I mean, it, it remains to be seen what kind of a movie this is. Is it, uh, is it just like another lock for best director? Netflix seems to win those pretty well. And so does Inuritu. So that's a pretty good lineup there. He's been there, but, done that. He's been well rewarded many times in, uh, in the past. In row, yes. I mean, Birdman won best picture. Um, right. And Revenant got close, so yep. and got a, an award for Leonardo DiCaprio. So he's and 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 of course Chivo has won three times. Yeah, but he's not. So on he's moved way. on. Yes. Um, so we've also got uh, uh, on the um, Netflix front, we have um, Pinocchio, the uh, Guillermo del Toro, which is coming. And he's and been working on that one a long time. He was talking may, about it with the last the fall festivals, up. too. Yeah, that one's supposed to 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 turn up there. Um, and then there's Lady Chatterley's Lover with Emma Corwin. Uh, and the director Good story. Mustang. 
Yeah. I've seen some other versions of it. Before, I've heard it's so. very sexy. They have two sexy movies. They also have, of course, uh, the Marilyn Monroe movie from Andrew Donald Blonde. Blonde. And that'll be a big Anna festival movie, of course. Yeah. 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 Anna de Armas really sort of I hear of it's very, very, very sexy. And um, disturbing, too. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. What, she, what she dealt with with JFK and other people who, are, who, who mistreated her and so forth. And then let's not forget White Noise, which seems to be not done yet. But that's obviously a, Adam another, Driver, Adam and Driver, Don and Greta yeah. Gerwig's in it. Yeah, a Don DeLillo novel that a lot of people have said is unfilmable. So very curious about it. It's a very expensive movie. There have been numbers thrown around in the hundred. Well, Baumbach is is a, a writer. He's usually pretty capable, but we'll we'll see. Yep, it sounds ambitious. Very ambitious. The Wonder is theirs uh, from Sebastian Lelo uh, with Lelio, Florence yeah. Pugh. Yeah. And of course, he won international for a fantastic woman. But it's nice to have him back in the mix. So then we have She Said, which just dropped the trailer. And of course, that's the adaptation of the book about the Harvey Weinstein New York Times reporting with uh, Carrie Mulligan and Zoe Kazan. Um, I usually don't watch trailers. New York Times reporters. I watched the trailer. I can't wait. It looked like Spotlight, very straightforward kind of a story about muckraking journalism. I suppose people who don't know the story will have the most eye-opening experience with a film like that. The question is how strong are the performances? How in- engaging is it with this story that's going to be hard for a lot of people to to come back to? But uh, I'm certainly curious. Spielberg is back with The Fablemans, which is a, a personal story. I just uh, want to say how weird family. The Fablemans, the fact that that movie, like Spielberg making a movie about his family is so strange. Collaborating again with Tony Kushner. With Kushner. Michelle Williams plays his mother. (laughs) And then Seth Rogen plays like his goofy uncle or something. That's right. And Paul Dano (laughs) is in it as well. Where are the aliens? Like, what is the twist in all this? And we're all wondering. So that one is, it's, uh, I think, dated for December, right? But, But Spielberg is supposedly still tinkering with it. So we don't know yet if it'll be a festival film. Uh, it's him, dated, it's I think, for November 20th. Oh, November, November. It's so a there's universal a film. Kind of so that could turn there. up. The typical place for him is AFI Fest. He often goes Maybe. there. He took Lincoln there. Right. Um, we'll right. we'll see what happens. The other one is Amsterdam, which is, of course, David O. Russell. Ah, uh, yes. Um, and he's, he's collected a cast. Christian Bale once said he would never work with David Russell again, and he's back. And Bale's having quite is, a year. The cast, oh, he is so good in Thor. The cast is really uh, remarkable. So I think I think we could see that turn up at maybe TIFF. So it's gonna uh, be it's gonna be a busy false and and there's a new Sarah Polly film uh, with Frances McDormand about a bunch of Mormon women that looks really strong. I mean, I, I'm there's just Chevalier so much, is Chevalier something I'm looking forward good. to from Searchlight with Calvin Harrison Jr. and Lucy Boynton. Now there the is stars, going to be yeah uh, a new <clears throat> film from Iranian director Jafar Panahi, which I'm mentioning in the context of this conversation because obviously he was arrested. This past week, I'm sure that will not be the Iranian Oscar submission, and he never no. has been. But we no. will get that film, and it's it is really a, an open question of how these things are going to play out, especially as the film premieres and the festivals have already stated, you know, that he should be released. Mohammad Rasolov was also arrested, and um, this was a big a big deal this past week. I spent a lot of time on the phone with various people over there. You, did, you wrote were, a very good story, which I I, re- I definitely recommend others should should look at. Yeah, and. It, and, and I think what what it really raises questions about is is how much the international community can do beyond just showing solidarity. I mean, we saw with Ukraine and Russia, 
we could put a ban on those films or or, or put a ban on on Russian delegates at festivals. But in Iran, it's, Iran, it's a little bit different. I mean, the the films that they produce by the government are, are not great movies. They're commercial movies that only come out in Iran. So what more can the international community do? especially now because it seems like the supreme leader in, in Iran is really cracking down on dissidents. And so this is a big so two filmmakers being arrested or they're prominent people in in, on, in the culture space of, of Iran. So I think the industry really has to look at, you know, what else it can do to kind of navigate this situation. And that really does come down to festivals. So what are the festivals going to do beyond just saying, you know, let these guys go because the government doesn't care if you say that. So an open question, as it were. And we'll see how it plays out. So on the art house front, um, we have Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris opening. On the lighter side Uh, of things. (laughs) I know. I'm making a transition here. Um, I did talk to Leslie Manville, who's wonderful in it. Um, How many times did you cry? I cried a few times. I I will say the opening of the movie... I didn't. I it's not, it's not an Eric kind of movie, but the opening movie. It's is, not. I'm, I'm I'm shocked and surprised that you actually watched it, Eric. <laughs> well, you asked me to. <laughs> it's like I'm the I I'm delivered. the target audience uh, for this movie. No, I'm but... often embarrassed at how much I fall for these period uh, romances, but this is very well done. No, but the beginning of the movie, especially, I found I found quite touch. And she is such a stellar actress. I mean, you look at some some of the stuff she's done, whether it's Phantom Thread or Another Year. It's all like the she Mike always, Lee movies. Yeah. yeah, all the Mike Lee movies. She's always amazing. So to see her in this thing, which is definitely much more sort of formulaic, unapologetically sentimental, but she's like, Way, I would argue with formulaic. I would argue with that because it. it well, it's it's, an, it's based on a movie, a, a British, book from the fifties. <laughs> it's a British period movie that's been in development a long time, and and Alan Rickman actually was interested in it, and his wife ended up producing it and brought in. Um, they were all good friends. Brought in Leslie Leslie Manville, but but uh, it it what I love about it is that it it, it attacks the 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 hideous class snobbery uh, in both England and France. Isabelle Huppert gives uh, as good as she gets against Leslie her, Manville. I thought she was doing like the two of them are like two titans but... in the ring, you know. Uh, I, I don't know and, if she brought she her A-game the in the movie. same way. Manville. She's, she's Manville, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Isabel, I think she did this in between like 50 other things, you know, but uh, it was fine. You, you, you're remembering the joke from Call My Agent. <laughs> yes, exactly. Which is an amazing show people should definitely watch. I mean, I did think a bit about that for sure. I mean, it's, it's and you know, she pops up in EO, which we'll talk about later this year. She's all over the place. But this, but there's an early scene in, in Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris where Leslie Manville um, says goodbye to her late husband, basically, that I thought was like, really emotionally effective nothing in the movie that comes after that is as strong but it's a it's an old school kind of an art house release i mean i know how many people are going to go see this right now really well it's not here's the thing what it offers besides a certain kind of um emotion but the reason it offers you that emotion is that it shows somebody who is supposedly she's a cleaning woman Right. She's a cleaning woman for rich people who who falls for for some beautiful couture dress and decides that she's going to save up all her money and go to Paris and buy one. And it shows you how silly all of those class distinctions are, how awful it is that women of a certain age are made to feel invisible. And and it shows you what character can achieve when when it's strong enough. And it's very, very uplifting and, and aspirational in that way. How does it? How would you compare it to Good Luck to You, Leo Grand? 
because mm. in certain ways, I think some of what you're observing here is is relevant. Mm. Yes, there's some there's some thematic um, connections, middle middle aged women connections there. But I would suggest losing uh, the husband, trying to this find one's some much more inside of a romantic uh, formula. Uh, no, no, because it defies the formula, but it takes the the structure of of that kind of uh, structure. It takes that structure and makes uh, a, a heart a, a very visually gorgeous. It looks also good. because yeah, of all good. the costumes. Jenny Bevan. Yeah does the costumes and does the couture and everything. There's a lot. I'm trying to say that you did. This could have been what you described, uh, a, a formula movie, and it rises above that. It's a touch better. I'll give it that. It's again, you know, it's not an Eric movie, but I can recognize it for what it is. But, you know, the thing is, there is that sense that older art house audiences like this is a Lincoln Plaza kind of a movie that they're not going to the movie. They learned how to stream things. So who goes to see this movie in theaters right now? Maybe it doesn't matter it'll for be, folks. It'll be on PVOD in yeah, three weeks. It'll be there soon enough. Yeah. So, so that's sort of the end of it. That's the way it works there. Um, and what's around the corner? We've got uh, we've got Nope screening. Nope opening. I can't believe that movie's opening. When I'm on break, you'll have to debate it with somebody else. So good luck with that one. Next week, we will we will discuss. And I saw uh, The Gray Man. The, I went to the premiere last night at uh, the Chinese with an outdoor uh, party ahead of it so that everybody could have a drink or two before they settled in their seats. Smart move. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a, it's definitely a big, noisy, um, messy movie, which is basically nine action sequences strung together. And the idea is that you have Ryan Gosling versus Chris Evans. And Ryan Gosling is a cool killer, you know, an assassin mm-hmm. for hire, but he has a heart and uh, some ethics, and uh, Chris Evans has none. <laughs> and he's the twirly mustache uh, villain and goes with it, has a great time with it. Gosling is very good. I mean, they, the action sequences, some of, there are some amazing stunts, amazing things in there, um, but it gets tiring after a while. And Anna de Armas is given, uh, the, the, a lot of men think that the way to give women equal time in an action movie like this is to just give them a gun and let them go for it, let them do all the stunts. No person, right. no character, no lines, you know, nothing. Just throw in a little badassery there and she's, you covered your she's, feminist. She's, she's basically uh, covering quota. Ryan Gosling and saving his ass a few times. Um, so it ends up being very boring in the well, end. Well, I will watch it. I, I couldn't make a screening this week and inquired uh, embarrassingly about a link because sometimes that's what you have to do in this business and was told this one I could not have that way. And usually Netflix is pretty flexible about that. So they I They usually see put it in your preferences. Yeah, they do no. drop this right is a big. There. This is a big screen movie. They're putting it in theaters. It's going to yeah, play. Yeah, there, for a there you go. Weeks. I mean, clearly that's the identity and the profile they want this movie. It to should have. be. It's big. It's expensive. It looks really expensive. You know? Well, I'm sure and it was. I'm sure they will get the eyeballs. I mean, it, it, look, you can have uh, this list of classy movies that's coming up from name directors and all the uh, money and all the energy they're going to put into establishing them at festivals and hopefully getting into the Oscar race and getting attention for them that way. But it's really the gray man that is going to be Netflix's bread and butter. Yeah, but who's going to be talking about it at the end of the year? Subscribe to the service. I mean, I... I 
don't even really remember that I watched Red Notice. I know I did watch it, but like, <laughs> like my eyes were present. My brain. I don't think I watched fun. the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, who knows with this one? I'll, I'll try to check it out. I've got some homework. Next week you'll have to find another substitute. And uh, when I swing back into action, it sounds like we're going to have a lot of fall movies to, to dig through. So uh, Godspeed, right. Ann. Have fun. Where are you going? You soon. I'll just be hanging out on Fire Island with, uh, you know, all the people Your from kid. that movie. <laughs> and my daughter. <laughs> we'll see all how right. it goes. Have Bye. Fun.